Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt coming to you from Utah this week. I'll explain why I'm here in a minute. That'll be my first rant, kind of a personal rant. In a Brandt's Rants edition of the Business of Sports, bravely produced by Brian Neal, my musical producer, Sam Brandt. That's the music you hear below us, and we're sponsored by DraftKings. The NFL is back. DraftKings has given all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Just bet $1 on any NFL game first week of the season, $200 in free bets instantly no matter what. That's right. New players, $200 in free bets when you place bet a $1 or more any week one game. We're getting there, guys. A couple weeks away. You can make every game a big game with same-game parlays and more. So download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS to receive $200 in free bets. You get to place $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code Ross. Get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only at DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Okay, it's time for the Brands Rants, and I'm going to have a personal edition as we start it off. I've got some other topics going forward, uh, some college football news, also the Bills, what's going to happen with the Bills Mafia and their stadium issue. I want to get to that in a minute. But first, let me talk about where I am and what I'm doing. I'm in Ogden, Utah right now. I'm in an Airbnb. If you see me, that's where I am. It is about 30 minutes away, I think, from Snow Basin, Utah, which is a ski resort. Maybe some of you have skied there. But this week, it's being transformed into something else. It is the a location for what's called Eversting 29029. I and 250 others will take on the challenge to try to climb the equivalent of Mount Everest on Friday and Saturday of this week. So as you hear this, I am chilling. I'm trying to prepare, stay off my feet, because starting Friday morning at 6 a.m., I start climbing. And I have to go up 13 times of this mountain. That is 2,300 or 2,350 elevation gain. And I have to do that. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not 13 times. How long do I have? 36 hours. So from 6 a.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday is the time limit I have to complete that. What that means is there's overnight stuff with night hiking and uh, using the, the, the headlamp and all of those things. This is the challenge that I've chosen. I've self-selected. It's the torture that I've chosen. I can't complain. I've chosen to do this. Why have I chosen to do this? Because I heard about it a couple of years ago. It's kind of a brainchild of one Jesse Itzler. You may have heard of him. He is this fitness motivation guru. He's married to the Spanx woman. I think her name is Sarah Blakely. People know him more for that than, I guess, for him. But anyway, it's a motivational thing. And really, it comes down to you look back at your life. What were the moments? What were the experiences? What are the things that put you in a state of awe? Not A-W-W, A-W-E. And that's where I am. I'm at a point where I'm looking back. What are my experiences? You know, you you want to live your life with no regrets. You want to make every day count. You want to make every moment count. And I've been putting in some training, not overwhelming training, because it hasn't. I didn't want it to overtake my life. But to do this, I've been a speed athlete, mostly short triathlons, so my training has been completely different. I stuck with my triathlon coach. I didn't go to the event 
uh, training log, which probably is, you know, more attuned to hiking, but I just did a lot of what I've been doing, biking and running and, and uh, some hiking, but doing it longer and slower. So that's been my jam for the past, I guess, few months, longer and slower training for this event. It's going to be a, it's going to be a drain. I know that it's going to be a mental challenge, maybe even more than a physical challenge. I've never done anything like this never done an ultra. I've never done a marathon. I've never done anything. We have to be on your feet 36 hours potentially. So I'm listening to the podcast about nutrition to have real meals, not just rely on goos and gels and, and space food as they call it, the bars and try to do some more meals and try to be, you know, trying to be better. And it's going to be tough. I know that. Uh, but I'm going to just try to get up and down that mountain. I don't have a plan. Everyone asks, what's your plan? <laughs> My plan is to get it done in 36 hours if I can. Now about half the people, some at the whole 13, some do three, five, seven, nine. We'll see what happens. There's all levels of fitness there. There are going to be Olympic athletes there. A lot of college athletes are going to be there. So we'll see. You know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying these things and I still have good health. Uh, I've been fighting an Achilles for a while. I've been getting PT for that, dry needling. I do everything. I do acupuncture. I do cryo, all those things. Just try to keep the body right. And I think that's important as you get in later in life. You know, I hear about Tom Brady, and he's doing all this great stuff. And he's so amazing. He's still playing at 545. Well, I'll take him out here at, at 61 like I am, see how he does. So anyway, I'm not saying that any slight on Tom Brady. I think that as we get older in life, it's about preservation. It's about not only lifespan, but health span. Can you live in your later years with good health, with activity levels that are high, with vibrancy, with vitality? That's what I want to do. So I encourage all of you to follow me. I think if you go to the website, 29029, um, Everesting it's called, 29029, which is the, the elevation I have to climb. Everesting, look up Utah 2, and I'm in that. And maybe you can follow me. I'll be putting out the ways you can track me on my Twitter. Everyone knows my Twitter, Andrew Brandt, my Instagram, Andrew Brandt too. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, I appreciate you letting me share in this. Indulge me with this. It's a challenge that I've taken on myself. Uh, I'm here in Utah, kind of chilling. I'm teaching my first class of the semester at Villanova tomorrow from this location. And then it's off to the mountain. And I get a tent and I have to get going and dinner, you know, breakfast at 4 a.m. on Friday and then hit the mountain at 6 a.m. Thanks in advance for thinking of me and we'll get it going. Okay, before I get to the rant, uh, I want to talk about Keeps. Keeps is a hair loss solution that is big time. I think two out of three men, you know, experience some form of hair loss by the time of the 35. We've got 50 million men in this country suffering from male pattern baldness. There are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. It's a simple stress-free way to keep your hair. It's low cost. Treatments start at $10 a month. They're generic versions. It's discreet packaging. Proven results. Prevention is the key. It can take four to six months to see results. Act fast. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of his competitors. So if you're ready to take action, prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash BOS. That's BOS for business with sports. Get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash BOS. Get your first month free. Keeps.com slash BOS.
Okay, back to the rants. I want to talk about the bills. There's been a lot in the news about the bills wanting some kind of partnership with the public side. Listen, I hear from so many people about these owners, how rich they are, how they shouldn't be asking for handouts. Uh, my, I guess my comment is they do because they can. Um, I remember when we were involved in the Lambeau Field renovation in the early 2000s. This was 2002, 2003. And we wanted to get a referendum on the ballot for Brown County where where the Lambeau Field is to get, I think, a half a cent tax to be used towards stadium construction, stadium renovation. It was tough. I mean, we passed by 51 to 49. We kind of used, I, I admit it, we used the problem of, uh, you know, we can't compete without it. We need to make Lambeau Field more than a 10-day-year destination. We finally got it passed. We made the renovation happy happen. And, of course, Lambeau Field now has stadium tours and restaurants and ice cream and Packer Hall of Fame and Packer Pro Shop. And, of course, it's making money hand over fist because it's a destination 365 days a year rather than 10 days a year. It has worked. Now, Buffalo, with an antiquated stadium, and that happens fast in the NFL, needs something new. Does the ownership, the Pagulas, who also own the Sabres, uh, and uh, have a daughter, Jessica Pagula, that I've watched play tennis. She's one of the top American players in the world. Anyway, can they make that happen without public partnership, without public funding? In a word, yes, they can. But everyone asks, well, they're going to do it with, they want public to kick in. Well, yes, they do. So that we have that. And they do, as I said, as the start of this segment, yes, because they can, because now, there's no stalking horse out there. There's no L.A. that they can move to. L.A.'s taken. They're not going to move to St. Louis. They're not going to move to Toronto. They're not going to move to Austin. That's not going to be the stalking horse. It's simply going to be wanting a public-private partnership. And why do I know this? Because they had the commissioner up there for an event, Jim Kelly's golf tournament, and, of course, he was interviewed, and he said the same thing. We want a private-public-private partnership. In other words, my translation, my translation is – the Pagulas will pay some, but they won't pay all. We need P Buffalo to pay all. Now, maybe at the end of the day, the Pagulas pay for everything, but he's making his case. And I've seen Goodell do this everywhere he's gone. He's done it in Minnesota. He's done it in Detroit. He's done it in Jacksonville. He's done it in uh, Las Vegas, which has the best deal in the history of sports, $800 million from the state of Nevada. He's done it with all these stadiums to get some money out of the public. And what a great business it is for NFL owners. They have this appreciating asset that a lot of them bought for less than a billion. Now they're all worth close to two and a half billion or more. <laughs> Some of them bought for 100, 200 million. And then, and of course, now they can privatize the profits and publicize the costs. You know, isn't that the best deal ever? So owners are quite bold. They're relentless negotiators. They've had their way with so much and they want to have their way with the public because they know what a valuable and scarce asset that these are. They know how scarce they are. Okay. So what we have is this amazing asset, the Buffalo Bills, trying to stay in Buffalo with a new and improved and renovated stadium, but they want help from the public. Does that bother you? Maybe. Yes, because you know you have a billionaire owner that can afford it. On the other hand, well, this has happened all over. Now, L.A. wasn't going to give public money. Stan Kroenke built that himself. Okay, Stan Kroenke is worth 11, 
point something billion dollars. It's happening. As part of an entertainment complex, a real estate complex, where he'll make loads of money, goads of money off of that beyond the stadium. But here we are. So we have this now. And what do I think of it? I think this is the way of the world. Because you have such a scarce asset of the Buffalo Bills, because Buffalo knows the city council, the the powers that be, the municipal leaders know without the bills, they're a different city than they are with the bills, that they will pony up, they will buffalo up, they will spend some money towards this public partnership to make the renovated stadium, the modernization of Bill's stadium happen. You know they will, I know they will, and more importantly, the NFL and the Pagulas know they will. Now, I people tweet me back, yeah, you know, people, they're not going to get public funding for the stadium. I've been hearing this for 30 years. I've been hearing this for 30 years. No way in hell they'll get public funding when there's so many needs for, for criminal uh, assistance. I mean, for, for jails and prisons and schools and hospitals and city projects and bridges and sewers and street repairs. They do. They do. You can talk all you want about helping schools and hospitals and bridges. They're going to give money to the bills. It's going to happen. What is the quid pro quo? Well, you know, maybe a Super Bowl. I mean, that happened in Minneapolis, as cold as that was. And maybe it's not a Super Bowl. Maybe they get a draft. Maybe they get a combine. I don't know what they get. They're not going to get a combine. But again, this is where we are with NFL owners and the scarcity of these franchises. It's going to happen. The bills are going to get public funding on that. Okay, that's my second rant. Now, I want to introduce a new sponsor, Masterworks. You already know the most valuable pro football team. And while that owner holds lucrative holdings in several different industries, few people know his true pride and joy is in our collection that's worth more than $150 million. He's even turned Dallas Stadium into an art museum to host his priceless Picasso. So when I learned about this revolutionary way to invest just like him, I knew I had to loop you all in. And I just see for myself how good investing in art could be. Due to a recently enacted law, the doors of the art market have opened to all of us. And now we have Masterworks. They've securitized multi-million dollar masterpiece paintings, you can invest just like a team owner. And you can do so at a fraction of the normal purchase price. So even if you can't afford multiple yachts or sports franchise, you can still get involved in this under-the-radar investment. Demand is exploding. They already have over 200,000 members, and it's a crazy long wait list. But lucky for you, they've given me a limited number of vouchers. You can skip the line. So just sign up at my special link at masterworks.io slash BOS. That's masterworks.io slash BOS. See important disclaimers at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Again, masterworks.io slash BOS. Limited number of vouchers, skip the line, become part of Masterworks. Okay, back to the rants. I want to do a college football rant because we are in the middle of it. It is happening. We have the SEC gobbling up so much here. You have the Oklahoma and Texas situations. They're going to the SEC. We're becoming a league of superpowers. If it wasn't already, SEC is becoming that superpower. So what's the response to that happening? 
well, a potential alliance, and that alliance would be with the Pac-12 and with the ACC and with the Big Ten and potentially what's left of the Big 12. What is going on? What is going on is this. It's a continuation of what's gone in college sports for a long time. It's an arms race, and everybody's loading up. And it's pro sports. We know that now with name, image, likeness, and the players getting paid, albeit not paid by the schools, they're being paid uh, by third parties. We don't trust that those third parties are somehow related to the schools. But we have this going on. Again, SEC staking its claim with Oklahoma and Texas. Other conferences responding, talking about a quote-unquote alliance, now even termed the alliance, capital A, Pac-12, ACC, though it's left a big 12, and of course, the Big Ten. Will this happen? We don't know. But I think my re- continued reaction is, as someone who follows the business of sports, it's a natural progression on where we've gone. Bigger is better. Bigger allows more resources. Bigger, most importantly, allows for bigger television contracts. Bigger television contracts means more money for the schools and the conferences, more money to build facilities, which in turn creates more opportunities to recruit the top players. And that's what it's all about. It really is. It's really about recruiting the top talent because the top talent produces wins and wins produce even more notoriety. It's the storefront for all these colleges, their football team, as much as their basketball team in some places, but primarily their football. And that's what's going on here. It's an arms race. And the arms race is really when you get down to it about creating an opportunity to get the best talent. And once you have the best talent, you become this dynasty as Alabama and Clemson have in college football, where they continue to get the best talent and it feeds on itself. And they can put morning money in facilities like water slides at Clemson. Where's this going? Well, I think what this goes to is the continuing abdication of responsibility by the NCA. That's what has got me, and I've talked about this before on the podcast. I am so surprised, shocked, mar- continue to marvel at what has happened to the NCA since a couple things happened from June, late June into July. Number one, the Alston case, basically the Supreme Court giving a slap in a big way to the NCA, say layoff, don't restrict education-related benefits with language in there that's saying the next time they come up here, maybe more than education-related benefits, we're going to go after it. And we're going to let these athletes have their day in court. We're going to let these athletes have something they've never had. They've been restricted too long. It is circular reasoning to say they shouldn't get paid because they've never been paid. So this is what happened. Now, that we don't have pay-for-play in college, but then we had NIL pass. And when NIL hit the world on July 1st, 2021, the world of the NCAA changed. They've abdicated responsibility after two years of working groups to get this thing in place and have guardrails, the word they kept using, it's gone. There are no guardrails. That's up to the conferences. That's up to the schools to protect these athletes from doing something that's off-brand, whether it's gambling or a sponsor category that's different than what the school has, or whether it's using the school's logo, which they're not supposed to do, or their marks, or even the color of their jersey. This is all being handled by compliance departments, by conference administrators. The NCA is out. Now, they're still there, but they're out on this and they're out on this conference stuff. 
they're out. What are they doing? Well, the burning of conferences is going on. What are they doing while Oklahoma and Texas uh, secede to the SEC? What are they doing while Pac-12 and Big Ten and ACC are talking about alliance, which are really create these superpowers that would hurt all these other schools and conferences. What are they doing? Well, they're doing something in Indianapolis. They're handling important tasks like all these waivers and all these dealing with the transfer portal and all these things. But what are they doing about all this? seems like they're out of the game. They are out of the enforcement game. And in some ways, that's a good thing. Because maybe, you know, it's laissez-faire management is the best way to go here. But I'm shocked. And I continue to be shocked. They have taken off their gloves. They have put their gloves on, I guess. They're not doing anything about all this. So where we see the NCA is I see the NCA as a regulator and administrator doing ministerial tasks, handling championships primarily for non-revenue sports like track and field, like lacrosse, like soccer, like wrestling, like gymnastics, like field hockey, like uh, swimming and diving. But, but no, not the big-time sports. They're out. So I think the biggest thing we come out of these, this discussion about college conferences or the discussion about um, NIL is that the NCAA is out. And that, to me, is the biggest news of all. So that's where I'll leave that. And we'll cover more about the NCA in coming weeks and months, but I think they're going to die down into some, you know, managing role. They just manage. They don't enforce. They don't really govern big time sports. So that's where I come out on that. Okay. That'll do it for this week's edition of the business of sports. If you're hearing this on Tuesday, the 24th, my webinar is back tonight. Tonight, we'll put the link in the show notes. It's back because I forgot to hit record last week. So here we are. I did it. I had 150 people on it. 150 people are waiting for a recording. The recording is never coming because I forgot to hit record. So they can come back tonight. Anyone new can join in through the show notes below. We'll give you the link, give you the link, the link, link. We have a new webinar tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you're hearing this on Tuesday, please come back. Also, follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, at Instagram, Andrew Brandt 2. Clubhouse, I'll be doing some stuff at ADB719. And, of course, my Sunday 7 newsletter, getting great response for that. Sign up at andrew-brandt.com. Apple Podcasts and rankings are always appreciated. Please, if you can, take a moment to say you like the podcast. I really appreciate that. Thanks to producer Brian Neal, my music producer you hear under this is music, Sam Brandt. And thanks to all of you who continue to listen and support the Business of Sport podcast with Andrew Brandt. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports. Take care.